You are listening to episode four of season two of the Design Influence with Alpi Nose. If you are listening to this in real time, then you know it's February, which is also Black History Month. And I knew that there was no better way to celebrate and honor Black History Month than to have the president of the Black Interior Designers Network here on the show. President of the Black Interior Designers Network, Kim McSwain is also the owner and project manager of Kimberly and Cameron Interiors. Known as the firm's octopus, Kia has her hands on all aspects of the Kimberly and Cameron firm. Harboring skills in remote location installs, she specializes in e-design and can manage every aspect of a project from almost any corner of the country due to her high level of communication that clients have grown to love. She works to ensure that each project speaks to her clients' interests, travels, lifestyle, and culture. And as the president of the Black Interior Designers Network, Kia has a goal of building relationships and celebrating diversity within the industry. She has worked effortlessly and endlessly to create a space for designers of color. So in our conversation, we talk all about celebrating diversity, as well as cultural influences in design, and what buying power truly means. Being that she juggles so many hats, we also got a chance to talk about what it means to attend to herself, and what self-care can look like, which is something I'm sure we all could learn a little bit of something about. Carrying on the legacy of a close friend and mentor is no easy feat. And yet, it's exactly what Kia did and continues to do daily with Kimberly and Cameron Interiors and the Black Interior Designers Network, which is celebrating its 10th anniversary this year. So, get ready for a super dope conversation talking all about culture, travel, design, and self-care. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to The Design Influence, a show dedicated to changing the conversation and creating impact on and offline. I am your hostess with the mostest, online interior designer, content creator, and nonstop idea machine, Alvi of Alvi Knows. If you're ready for some candid and caffeinated conversation about everything from growing pains as an entrepreneur to decoding design tools to figure out what the heck it means to be an influencer, Then turn up your earbuds and let's dive in. Hey guys, so I am hanging out here with Kia, Kia McSwain, and I've already given you guys the lowdown, quick and dirty of who she is, but her story is not something that could be simplified in just 40 characters or less. So I'm going to let Kia say hi to you guys, and then we're going to dive right into getting to know who she is and a little bit more about all the things that she does. Hey, Kia. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me, Albie. Oh, no, thank you. And just full disclosure, Kia is my first guest for this season, and I'm super, super excited. So you guys are going to, you guys buckle up. This is going to be a good one. It's going to be a great one. A lot of people probably know the Kia McSwain name, Um, especially if you are immersed in the industry. You know, they are not a stranger to who you are. But tell us, who is Kia McSwain? Oh, wow. I wasn't prepared (laughs) for that. 
I think Kia McSwain is um, a servant um, below surface level, full of love, um, full of light, full of willingness and eagerness to learn um, and just happy to be, just happy to be as who I am. That is, and that is something that so many people strive for. So the fact that you are there, kudos. So a lot of the listeners may not know this, but one question that I always love to ask my guests is what their superpower is, especially when it comes to business. And I've gotten lots of different answers, but your answer definitely was my favorite by far. And you said that your superpower is maintaining the ability to stay sane and not snatch my wig off at inappropriate times. And simply put, that means you're just keeping your composure where most people wouldn't. What is that like for you? It's a journey for me. Um, I think being at a place where I'm constantly learning and constantly soaking up and constantly making mistakes Um, It's very easy for me to say I'm enjoying the journey, but when I'm like knee deep in the trenches, you know, what is that like for me? And a lot of times I really want to snatch my wig off real life. But, you know, I'd like to think I am more so learning um, what battles to fight, you know, what things to let go and how to just relax, you know, how to relax. And. We're going to get a little bit deeper into like a lot of what your many, many hats are. But because of all the hats you wear, you travel a lot. You're juggling a lot. So what does that relaxation look like for you? Um, that relaxation looks like therapy for me. Um, it looks like seeing a therapist. It looks like scheduling me time. Uh, it, it looks like scheduling time for me to... Just be in my inner thoughts, uh, time to cry, um, time for prayer, uh, which is something that I try to keep constant, Um, and just time for doing the things that I want to do, that the normal 32-year-old me wants to do and is not obligated, obligated to do. Things not having to do with business, not having to do with the client, but just focusing on Kia. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's something a lot of entrepreneurs in general, but I know I've heard a lot of designers struggle with when they're in the trenches, they feel like they don't have that balance because they're always beholden to, I have to answer this email. I have to follow up with this vendor and I have to do all of that. And they don't schedule. And I love that you said that you're specifically scheduling your you time, you're praying, you're going to therapy. And that's a lot of stuff that people just don't even think they deserve, much less make the time for. Oh, just to clarify, I just started scheduling. Like scheduling was not something that I was always um, adamant to do um, on top of. Um, it It is something that I'm getting used to implementing into my everyday uh, life. It really helps. It helps tremendously. And so that's something that I definitely want to grow more into is scheduling, blocking, blocking out time for you. It matters most. I mean, the same way you would block out time for a project or for an event. You block out time for yourself. No, I absolutely love that. And, I mean, the design industry is one that is constantly fast-paced. I know if anyone follows you, they know you are constantly 
on the go, whether it is for the firm, whether it is for BIDN, you are wearing a lot of hats. So in doing all of that, you have the things that you schedule in for yourself. But when it is for work, what is that like juggling all this traveling and all these clients and just everything that you have to keep in that head of yours? I think the thing that helps me stay on track and stay flowing in my schedule is my assistant. Um, I have a hard time keeping up with where I'm going and when I'm flying out, when I'm flying back in. So I depend on her to help me in those areas. However, I always try to schedule some time or a day, at least a day, um, when I'm in that city or in that country that I can really take some time out to do the things that I want, to really enjoy it. Um, and I try not to spend more time than is necessary in that particular city. I like to take care of business and get out. Really maximizing your time. You're there for a job, but you also don't want... I mean, I know a lot of times people never really feel like they settled. They just flew in, did the job, and flew back out. And you avoid that by really at least dedicating that 24 hours to a little bit of your time. Absolutely. Because I get comfortable in a hotel room bed. Like, I could, like, literally not leave. Um, and that's that's not good for anybody. So, yeah, I try to maximize my time as best as possible. In so and out. Nice cities have you visited so far whether domestically or abroad how many have you visited oh wow um i definitely can't count domestically mm -hmm. uh, quite a few um Fair. but abroad i would say i visited about eight different countries abroad do you have a favorite i think um hmm You know what? It's hard to pick a favorite. It's hard <laughs> because they were all warm and they were all so nice. I think I don't have a favorite. You may have to come back to me on that one. I think I don't have a favorite. I really enjoyed Tulum, Mexico. That was nice. That was really nice. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you could put that one at the top of the list for sure. And, I mean, it's hard, especially if they probably all have something amazing that you take away from them, whether it's the food, the weather, the people, um, and especially if you're there, whether it's for business or for pleasure, how you spend your time is going to be a little bit different. And how much of that do you bring back home when it comes to putting it into your work? How much of that traveling inspires who you are as a designer? I think my travels, um, do more uh, opening opening of my heart uh, and my and my knowledge about other people and the way they live. Um, a lot of people kind of correlate travels to, you know, being uh, influenced culturally, and I'd like to totally agree. Um, I do bring some of the influences back, whether it be you know the food that I've eaten. Um, the, the textiles that I've seen, um, the architecture that I've seen. Um, I'm always drawing inspiration from anything around me. Um, I'm always looking for color. I'm always looking for a rich color story, the history of it. So I think in my travels, 
Um, I, I subconsciously soak all this stuff in, you know, I, I try to make sure that I have some time to get out and see, you know, what the locals, um, like to, to pull in for their inspiration, their decor, you know, what they see as being very important, what they see as being something that, uh, historically needs to be, uh, a part of their design. And it's just always, always awesome to see how other people are living. Um, and we're all different, but also the same. I love that. We are different, but we are also the same. And I think we need more of that, more understanding of that in the world. Um, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, yeah. You have all this extensive travel, you know, in your pocket, and you also have a background in design what was that aha moment for you that made you want to actually kind of marry the two and pursue it as a career? Yeah, absolutely. I think that aha moment for me was being in corporate, sitting behind a desk, knowing that I didn't want to continue to answer the phone, <laughs> um, seeing customers and clients come in and it, it being about that I, it being about, you know, knowing what this is going to look like even before, you know, you see the final result and always being that person um, that a coworker would say, oh, hey, come over here and talk to Kia. She knows a lot about color and how to pair things well. And so I was like, yeah, no, I definitely want to do this, but not in this way. So that was my aha moment for sure. So you have the design side of your business as the principal designer of Kimberly Cameron, and then you're also the president of BIDN. Now, what a lot of people don't know, Kimberly Cameron started with Kimberly Ward, which is someone that you were very close with, that you credit with a lot um, in terms of where you are now. So tell us a little bit about Kimberly and you guys' relationship so that we can kind of really understand the beginning and now. Yeah, Kim, Kim, um... Kim was such a raw and a real reflection of uh, someone that I could hang out with. You know, friends and family always told me that you want to be around someone who can can teach you things and someone who can help elevate you and someone who can ultimately mentor you into a place where you strive to be. I was I was introduced to her, oddly enough, having not even met her yet. Um, a good friend of hers, Rhonda Penrice, who is a journalist um, and writer there in Atlanta, Georgia. I met Rhonda at an event and, you know, we talked a bit and I told Rhonda about my um, my English degree and she asked what I wanted to do. And I told her, you know, I have a, a love for design and, you know, writing. And she said, well, I have a friend and she's got a, a African-American home and lifestyle magazine and her name's Kim, Kim Ward. And we talked a bit and uh, parted ways. And not too soon after I actually met Kim um, at an event, there was an ASID event going on and we were the only two black women there. And I, I saw her and she looked at me and she said, I'm Kim. That's Simone. Walk with me. And so <laughs> I thought it was um, interesting, weird, but interesting that, you know, she didn't know me. And after talking to her and enjoying the event for some time, you know, I realized she was from Mississippi. 
just as I was. She had all these amazing things that she was looking to do for the black interior design community. And I knew that I wanted to be of service in some way. I just didn't know how. And so I began working alongside her, um, stayed persistent, stayed consistent, uh, bugged her a bit about working some projects and um, worked quite a few of those projects as an intern and, you know, told her that, that, you know, I wanted to do more. And (laughs) she would always say to me, like, you, you just think you can handle so much. Like, I want to see what you're going to be able to do. And um, it was, it was a true case of staying down until you come up. Um, I think that with her being able to share, um, my truth and being able to share with her what I wanted and, you know, sometimes questioning her, her in game and, um, how she thought it was going to be working for all these people, um, and, and not really sometimes getting anything back. You know, these were things that we conversed about quite often. And, um, here I find myself understanding exactly what her end game was and what her goal was Mm -hmm. and so grateful for her. And I miss her. I I wish I got a chance to meet her. She sounds like she was an amazing person. I've always heard you speak very, very highly of her. And for those of you who do not know, Kimberly Ward did pass away and Kia, you picked up the proverbial torch. And so that is where, you know, you as the president of the Black Interior Designers Network, as well as the principal designer for Kimberly and Cameron, you know, you continue on Kimberly's legacy. A lot of people know the BIDN legacy, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but not so much Kimberly and Cameron, the design firm. I mean, I've even been there when people have asked you, are you Kimberly? And you're like, no, I'm Kia. <laughs> so one thing, you know, I know a lot of people would want to know is what made you keep the name after taking over as principal designer? Um, so Kim, Kim had this conversation with me early on and um, she was in the process of making arrangements with the lawyer so that I could change the name if I wanted. And I told her, don't worry about changing the name. Um, the name means something to me. You know, it's, it's a, it's, she built it, you know, put a lot of hard work, sweat and tears into that. And changing the name makes me no more money. So for me, it was more so about respecting the name, uh, more so than changing the name to my name. Um, so that was my main reason for wanting to keep Kimberly and Cameron Interiors. And how have you been able to continue her legacy, respect it, but also honor who you are as a designer? I'm still in the process of making Kimberly and Cameron my own. Um, I don't think I ever thought that was going to be something I was able to do overnight or make happen overnight. Um, Both Kimberly and Cameron and the BIDN are like my adopted babies. Um, (laughs) She was extremely protective of both of them. And now I get to see firsthand why she was so, so protective. It's crystal clear now. Um, but Kimberly and Cameron, as time passes, is, is the business evolves as I evolve. Um, it is, is, it is undoubtedly mine and becoming more so mine every day. And 
with it reflecting more of you, we get we talked a lot about how you travel and you hit on how cultural influences kind of come put into play when it comes to design, how we look at color, how we look at other, the way other parts of the world think, and just really understanding the way other people operate so you can bring that back into the spaces that you are creating. So within just design, how can other designers benefit from understanding and allowing for this different cultural voices? Because this is something you're bringing into the firm as a principal designer. So how can other designers start to really incorporate that into their own business models? How can other designers benefit from understanding and allowing for these other cultural voices in the design space? I think other designers can start by being true to themselves. Um, No one designer is alike. Every designer brings something different to the table, to the game of interior design. Um, every, Every project I create, I try to immerse myself. I try to immerse the project in the culture. Uh, I'd like, I would, I mean, I would like for that to be the one-off service that I provide to my clients. My need to know about everything is important. Uh, it's important for me to dig deep with them. I want to know how, how important they think the culture is in their everyday life. You know, that determines how I implement the culture into their space. I think, you know, rummaging their playlist, their closet, you know, their art collections, just sitting down with them for drinks, sushi, whatever, building that relationship with them. um, It really opens my eyes to the relatability of the culture and, and that particular client that I'm dealing with. And not often do we get a chance to sit down with clients for sushi, for coffee. But I think the time that you do have set aside for that client should definitely be about how important the culture is to them. Um, That gives you a really cultural space or a minimally cultural space. Um, I had a client who told me one time, I don't like the banding on those Romans because it looks like I went to Africa and came back. And I said, hmm, okay. Had I had I known a little bit more about her relatability to the culture, I probably would have opted for something else. Um, but but this is an example of how I think, how I see being able to build that relationship with your client enables you to know um, where you stand culturally with your your design, with your aesthetics with the way you implement that into their space. Because you're bringing in the influences that you've been exposed to, but ultimately you're creating a design that's tailored to them. So mm-hmm. it has to be you know, a, a beautiful marriage of that. Um, no, I love that. And I think often when people think about you know, those cultural influences, they just think about the travel, but not a, going deeper really going beyond that surface level of, you know, what does my background bring to this, my ethnicity, where where I've been, where I've lived, what I've seen. And so, you know, sitting down for coffee, like you said, it's a luxury that not many designers get to have, but making the time to have drinks or coffee or a meal with them definitely allows you to peel back those layers. 
And how often do you find that you're influencing one another when you have those moments? Oh, quite often, quite often. You know, this is, it's important. You know, I think that um, embracing them, embracing who I am, you know, they're hiring me for a reason, right? Um, I would like for my clients to hire me, not because I'm a designer, um, not because of the color of my skin, you know, of course I would like them to like me, but more so I want you to connect with my work. I want you to connect with what I say in my work, embrace, embrace what I'm bringing to you through my work. Um, and just have some imagination. You know, we, we've always been full of, you know, imagination and color and so much and, for me to be able to encourage someone to bring that into their home. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's my day. That's my week made. (laughs) Now, how does that thinking align with the mission and the objectives of BIDN? Because it's, you know, you're celebrating designers of color. What does black culture, black design culture bring to the design space? We all want to create something genuinely authentic and customized, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it wants, we want it to be customized to our lifestyle, you know, the way we're living, the way we're eating, the way we're traveling, the way we're entertaining our friends. And I think that that lines right up with the mission of the Black Interior Designers Network. Um, you know, we're the, we're the minorities that, that energize this consumer market, you know, so why not have your consumer market energized by us creating really amazing um, art, really amazing textiles, right? Really amazing vignettes, right? Really amazing hotels, homes, um, commercial spaces, whatever you can think of. I think our skills line up with the mission and goals of the Black Interior Designers Network strongly from having the ability to empower one another, right? When we see an amazing vignette or a room in a show house, what do we do, right? We, We are immediately empowered. Oh my God, I love this. This has inspired me so much. So being able to inspire one another, I think is, is at the top of my list for ways that our culture, um, our way of living, our way of life, um, bleeds into the mission and goals of the Black Interior Designers Network. So it is about celebrating the culture, highlighting designers of color. But as you mentioned the consumer earlier, you know, it's also about the buying power. Walk us through what that really means for the design industry. Yes. So the network was established to not only provide homeowners with access to talented designers of color, It also connects us with other designers of color and vendors and industry partners, people who are looking to assist us, empower us, like I said a little bit earlier, um, and bring us to the forefront. We have the buying power. So by the the UGS Center for Economic Growth, um, I believe this was in 2014, said by 2020, the black buying power was expected to reach $1.4 trillion. In 2020, right? And it's so crazy that we're here. <laughs> we're here. It seems so far away at the time, and it's not like, nope, that's now. <laughs> we made it. Right. We're, we're here, okay? So 
when we look at that, if we work together, right, and we, we, we want to bring our clients the most intriguing and innovative products on the market, some designers may not, may not have that particular vendor, right? They, they might not have access to that account or the, the financial buying power to open that order, right? But working with another designer or working with a buying group, they can still bring that innovation. They can still <laughs> bring that most intriguing item to their client. This is where everybody wins. The vendor gets money, right? The, the, the client gets that amazing product, right? The designer is able to make money and we're able to really run our businesses efficiently and not have to worry about the burden of finance. And it's really, you know, it, it's almost establishing you know, a whole system within the system when you think mm -hmm. about it to kind of really continue building designers, whether it's new season transitioning into the industry from previous careers in a way that continues to feed itself. Absolutely. So now a lot of people, they hear, you know, the Black Interior Designers Network, and I don't know if they realize it is designer facing as well as it is consumer facing. Is that how it started? It was for designers as well as the consumer to connect with designers? Well, the Black Interior Designers Network um, started out with the African-American Top 20. This was a list of 20 African-American interior designers that Kim thought would be awesome representation of who we are, what we represent, the level of work um, that we're conducting, just and and really 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 amazing list right mm -hmm. well her getting out she would notice that people were like okay we see you the list okay but where's something for the rest of us right those of us who are in corporate and are trying to branch out right those of us who have been around for a while and have a ton of knowledge to share like you know high point you know markets like where are we so that's when Kim created the Black Interior Designers Network, a network that could cater to all interior designers, no matter what level they're on, um, no matter what it is that they're trying to accomplish within their business, within this industry. We wanted to be that service for them. If we couldn't help you do it, we're going to put you in contact with somebody who can help you. If there are clients out there who are looking for Black interior designers, we're going to put you with a Black interior designer who can best assist you in creating the space that you want. So this year is BIDN's 10-year anniversary, which is a big deal. What does that mean for you personally? <sighs> 10 years is a big deal. I just had to <laughs> piggyback a little bit. Um <laughs> Man, it means so much. It just it goes to show how much things can change and turn around in 10 years. Like 10 years ago, I was teaching, um, graduating college. And here I am able to sit here with you, um, my first black design podcast, talking about uh, an amazing three day event curated for basically the culmination of designers of color and their businesses and it means the world to me it means a lot so we have this event coming up um it's this summer the 
the conference specifically. So there is, you know, the network, which is something that is just ever going, you know, designers connecting with consumers, with vendors, so on and so forth. But then you have the conference. What should designers know about the conference specifically? Uh, I feel like I'm on a radio show right now. I just want to yell into the microphone. Sometimes <laughs> um, and who's going to be there. <laughs> um, the Black Interior Designers Network Conference is going to be held in Las Vegas, Nevada this year, this summer, July 27th through the 29th. We are looking forward to amazing panel discussions, amazing keynote speakers, amazing masterclasses for designers who are a little bit vetted, right, and are looking for something in specific. Um, we're looking to partner with amazing media sponsors, um, and not to mention, just enjoy one another, have a good time, enjoy some of those Vegas restaurants. Like I, we're we're so excited about it. This year is going to be an amazing ten year anniversary for sure. And it's so funny that you said, you know, this year it's in Vegas because it's usually on the East Coast. Um, and I'm sure, like someone like me, I've never been to Vegas, and I'm sure lots of people are like, oh my gosh, it's exciting, new space, new terrain, which kind of circles back to what we were talking about, getting out there, getting exposed to these different areas. It doesn't necessarily have to be going abroad. Being in Vegas and enjoying those restaurants could open a lot of designers up to a new experience. Being around these other designers can open them up to just new influences. So that is just super, super exciting. When does actual selling for the conference and the tickets and all that jazz actually open up? We actually start registration February 15th, um, 2020. And so at the time, just to kind of interject, at the time this goes live, you guys, registration's open. So run, don't walk. You can definitely go. And the link, I'll have all that in the show notes for anyone who wants to be interested, but I'll pass it back to you, Kia. Go ahead. Yes. So everybody who's looking to um, register early, we've got live stream early registration. We've got early registration. We've got on-site registration. So there should be no reason that anybody's looking for registration and cannot make registration happen because we will be live <laughs> in this area. And that designer who is feeling like, well, I'm new, to the industry or I'm still in design school or on the other side of the spectrum feels like, well, I've been doing this for 10, 20 years, you know, so you have those two polar opposites that may feel like, well, what does this conference have to offer me? What do you say to them? There are going to be tons of designers that are experienced on different levels who have tons of pertinent information to share. I think that that paired with being in the building with like-minded individuals is just all you guys need to know. That's pretty much all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> Get your ticket, register, and we look forward to seeing you there. So oh, this is the 10 year. Where do you see BIDN in another 10 years? Oh, wow. Um, I see the Black Interior Designers Network as being a community-driven, multi-million-dollar nonprofit um, servicing people all over the world. And I, I really look forward to that, for sure. Oh, I, I don't doubt that it'll happen. And, you know, I can't 
not talk about Kimberly and Cameron because that is the other half of what you do in business. So where do you see the firm in another 10 years as well? I see the firm right alongside the Black Interior Designers Network. We're, we, are, we are looking to be a multi-million dollar firm. Um, we, we are looking to create. We're looking to... Um, maybe create a product line. You know, you never know. The opportunities and options are endless. Uh, I see no ceilings with either Kimberly and Cameron or the Black Interior Designers Network. So come back in 10 years and we'll see where we are. I love it. And I love that we're actually at the start of a decade. So that is, there's something that's very symbolic about that, like really beginning a new decade as the next piece of this chapter so yes i will be seeing you in 2030 and acting this again awesome now, awesome you're you have these two businesses you're hosting conferences you're immersed in the industry you know do you ever see yourself planning on slowing down or are you just getting started absolutely um i would like children you know i would like to have a family um and my main, my first love is really travel. Uh-huh. So if I can design and travel, I'm happy. I'm pleased. Like that is life for me. Um, I think I am getting a little bit of practice, but I have no um, immediate expectations for what I will be doing other than um designing and being successful and loving exactly what it is that I'm doing that we're talking about that we both love that majority of the people listening to this really love. Um, I really can't see anything other than that right now. And I mean, I, I'm probably going to butcher this quote, but there's the quote that basically says, you know, when you find what you love and that's what you're doing every day, you're not working essentially. It doesn't feel like work. And would you say that that is really what you're establishing for yourself? A lifestyle where work doesn't feel like work. It is just what Absolutely. I think I've done it. Um, none of what I do feels like work, uh, whether it be with the network or whether it be solely with Kimberly and Cameron. It does not feel like work. Um, serving others to me uh, can become a little daunting However, it is well worth it. And if, if, you know, you were born and you lived and you didn't serve, what did you really do? What mark did you leave? What is your legacy? And I love that you, your legacy is already in place because you were, you're at peace. You are truly, from what I'm hearing, at peace with what you are creating. And there's only bigger and better that is coming ahead. So I'm excited to watch. Now, Thank you. Thank you. I could ask a ton more questions, but in the interest of time, last but not least, we obviously know that you are influenced a lot by, you know, the people around you, the places around you, everywhere that you've been and all the things that you've experienced. But what is one thing that has been influencing you lately? I think one thing that's been influencing me lately is my existence, the times that we live in, 
um, what we're going through right now. And I think as artists, we are to share through our work what we see, what we experience, what we're dealing with, our hardships, right? Um, our troubles, our happiness, our joys. And so I'm just really enjoying um, being able to create from my surroundings. I love that. It's like almost the saying, you know, art imitating life and life imitating art. And you are really living that. So I love that. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Oh, thank you for having me. And like we told everyone, you know, by the time this goes live, registration will be open for the conference. So definitely you guys can go to the show notes and, you know, get all the information that you need to register. But like she said, there's in-person registration, there's streaming, so there's no excuses. Um, but registration. Time- live stream. <laughs> Online. <laughs> At the door. All of it. Get your tickets. All the places. <laughs> All the places. But aside from there, where else can people find you, Kia, and hang out with you if they just want more of you? They can't. You're asking for a lot. <laughs> well, we don't need the address or the social. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. If they're looking for me via Instagram, they can find me at Kia McSwain, K-E-I-A-M-C-S-W-A-I-N. And if they're looking for me at Kimberly and Cameron Interiors, they can find me at Kimberly Cameron Interiors. Awesome. Thank you again for hanging out with me. Guys, find her, connect with her. You're going to learn a lot. Thank you so much for having me, Albie. Bye. Bye. As designers, we always want to be culturally aware when it comes to delivering the final design to our clients. We want to ensure that it is speaking to them, to their functional needs, their lifestyle needs, but also their cultural preferences. But how often do we really take stock in what we can bring to the table, not just from our cultural perspective personally, but from our travel, from the influences that we've taken in from other parts of the world and from other cultures. So it is super dope to me that Kia shed some light on how her travels, her interactions with clients, her interactions within the industry influence the type of work that she does as a designer and how that has also manifested in the continued growth of the Black Interior Designers Network. I can go on and on about how we can bring something to every single project that we do that is unique and special but that is something that is definitely honed in with time not necessarily but also with travel you know which is you know not always for everyone but think about the next time you're working on a project what can you bring to the table how is it influencing you as much as you are influencing it if you are a designer of color and interested in learning more about the black interior designers network All of that information will be in the show notes, as well as the information on this year's conference, the 10-year anniversary conference, which will be held in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's going to be held July 27th to the 29th, and as you heard Kia say, you can register online. It is officially live currently, 
you can register at the door, you can live stream, really just no excuses. So you can find all that information in the show notes as well as all the information on how you can continue to hang out with Kia online. If you haven't yet, which I don't know why, (laughs) feel free, go ahead, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. And while you are at it, leave a rating and a review for the show. I don't know what you guys think about the show if you don't tell me. I don't know how the show is doing if I don't look at the numbers. And ratings and reviews are definitely part of all of that information. As you guys know, I'm a nerd, so I like to study that stuff. So please leave a rating and review. Subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And I will catch you guys in the next one. Bye.